0: time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Jeff Kinley. Hey, thanks for joining me today on the Vintage Truth Podcast. Really glad you've tuned in because we're going to talk about a very important subject today that is in the national and international news right now. And it's the subject of suicide, of people taking their lives and ending at all as far as their existence here on planet earth and you know with the the suicides of of a couple of prominent people uh, this uh, fashion designer Kate Spade Nancy Anthony uh, Burdon believe you pronounce his name I don't know how really say it but anyway he was a famous chef world traveler at a tv show and that type of thing apparently well liked among a lot of people as was this uh, uh, Miss Spade as well and Obviously, you mourn the deaths of anyone like that who takes their own life. I was just thinking the other day about the, <clears throat> the loss that we as a planet felt when Robin Williams took his own life. I mean, such a man who everyone thought that he, he was just the epitome of, of happiness, and yet he hid uh, such sadness in his life, as many people do. It's just that we all have different coping mechanisms and different ways of, of hiding the real pain and the sadness and really the emptiness that we feel in life. You know, every year, thousands and thousands of people uh, take their own lives. And, you know, it would seem like it's a, an epidemic nowadays uh, with a lot of, uh, you have a lot of soldiers who come back from war, who have PTSD, and they they suffer through a lot of uh, pain. And a lot of them take their own lives. It's, it's a huge thing now. And even uh, there are television shows that, that even um, kind of wink at suicide and that type of thing. I mean, this is a, a horrible, horrible thing to happen. You know, and I've had um, the, the pain of, of seeing people that I know take their own lives. I have officiated at the funerals of those who have taken their own lives. And there's a different kind of mourning that family and friends go through uh, at a time like that. And so there's so many emotions that really converge over the subject of suicide. And it would seem that in our current culture, you know, we, we use this as an opportunity to talk about issues that lead to suicide. And obviously, I think that's, that's appropriate. But at the same time, we never, as a society, really address the core issues of what in the world would lead a person to snuff his or her own life out, to leave this planet behind and everyone else in it. You know, self, uh, suicide has been called a selfish act. It's been called a cowardly act and that type of thing. And, you know, I, I think, it, you know, while, while some of that may be true, at the same time, it ignores a lot of the, the suffering and the pain that a lot of people go through, not in any way to justify suicide. But at the same time, when people do a desperate act like that, they don't just do it out of a vacuum or in a void. They do it be, in their mind because of certain factors that have led them to this point. For example, people who, who take their own lives, many of them feel a loss of hope. They feel that they've come to a, to a station of their life where they don't see things ever getting any better. And they conclude in their minds that not living would be better than living like this. They just lose hope. People commit suicide over divorce, over a death in the family, over a miscarried child. They commit suicide over less important things like not getting a job or not getting the job they wanted. Uh, there are you know, girls who, in college campuses who, who may commit suicide over not getting to, the, to their sorority. There were men in World War II that were deemed not fit for combat who killed themselves because of that people s- sense a loss of hope uh, also sometimes people commit suicide because they're just they just really want to escape the pain or the suffering uh, that they're going through they see suicide as a solution to their pain and to their suffering you know many people on this earth suffer an in intense mental agony. And you or I may or may not be able to identify with some of that, but there are many people that suffer under mental torture. And there are many different reasons about why they suffer that way, but they still, their thoughts are so confused and messed up and dark. There are people that have emotional pain that have been hurt deeply in their emotions. And also people who obviously suffer physical pain, who have some sort of physical ailment that is causing them to have constant pain here's the thing those patterns of thought that many times in fact most times are lying to that that person about reality or distorting or over selling the case on their situation those thoughts didn't just pop in one afternoon those thoughts were nurtured over years and years and years, patterns of thinking. And some of those things were passive. In other words, some of those things, some of those thought patterns were things that were ingrained into a person based on what others had said about them. You know, I mean, someone may have grown up in a home where their dad was abusive or their or their mom told them they weren't good enough or, or they just felt unworthy, unloved. You can believe those things if you want to. You can choose to believe that. My senior high English teacher told me, she screamed at the class. She said, Jeff Kinley. And then she looked at me, she said, you will never amount to anything in life. And as a 17 year old, thankfully I was a believer and I was in my mind, I just laughed at that statement. I was like, you don't know my God, right? But those kinds of thoughts become ingrained. People tell us those things, those feelings and those choices that we make in life here's the thing those patterns of thought whether they're, they're dark thoughts whether they're self-condemning thoughts whether they're uh, abusive self-abusive thoughts whether they're depressive or despairing thoughts whatever those thoughts and emotions might be those things develop root systems in your brain and in your emotional makeup and you know what happens when you when there are deep roots they're hard to pull up. Oh, you can cut the branch, but the roots are still there. You can cut it off at the surface. Like Robin Williams did. Everybody thought he was great, but deep down inside in his heart there were these root systems of despair and of whatever else he was going through in his life. And, you know, some of it obviously is is self-generated. Not all of it, but some of it is self-generated. You know, we have these thoughts, these desires, and that kind of thing, and it feels so right to think that way. I I, I can't identify with all of that. Some of it I can. Maybe you're going, nah, nah, this just to make sense. Why well, anyone would think that way? Hey, you know what? It does make sense to them because that's all they've ever known or, cho- or chosen to follow. It seems right to them. It seems natural to them. But here's a principle from the Bible. Scripture tells us that we are born in sin. In other words, we are born broken. If you're born into a family, you're born into a situation where you are not nurtured to feel that you are loved, that you're important, that you have worth in this world, you have something to contribute. If you're not born into that, you're going to grow up thinking that you need more. And when you can't get more, you know what's going to happen? You're going to start to spiral. And that's what happens. But here's what the Bible says. Jeremiah 17, 9 says that the heart is deceptively wicked. In fact, it says it's, it's wicked above all things. The heart, the human heart. It says, who can know it? So if, if you're born in sin and you have a, a naturally deceptive heart, logic would dictate that you cannot always trust your own thoughts. You can't trust your own emotions. You can't even trust your own choices. And the last thing you want to do in life is follow your heart or follow your own desires or your own thoughts. How do you know those thoughts are right? Well, they feel right. So? When you go to the dentist, you get Novocaine, and your jaw and your cheek becomes this blob of nothing, and you can't feel it that's reality to you. Guess what? Stick a knife into it. You won't feel it at the moment. You're going to feel it eventually. You know why? Because that's not what reality is. You think it's reality. You can't trust your own mouth when you're under the influence of Novocaine. And you can't trust your own heart when you're under the influence of your own sinful nature. And so you have to in that moment, we'll talk about this later, but you have to in that moment choose to trust something other than yourself to tell you what the real truth is. It's like pilots who are going through pilot training. They can become inverted. In other words, they can go through clouds, and because of the pressure of what they're feeling, the gravity and the pressure, they may think they're flying fine, but in reality, they've turned upside down. And instinctively, to get out of the cloud they want to pull the stick back and to go up but if they do that they're going to go straight to the ground it's in those moments that those pilots have to trust something that they know is unchanging and that will always tell them the truth and that something is their instrument panel and on that instrument panel it'll tell them whether they're upside down or right side up it'll tell them how high they are how low they are it'll tell them where the horizon is And so many pilots have died because they've trusted their own instincts instead of looking at the instrument panel. Listen, God's word is the instrument panel. It'll never lie to us. And yet, people who are under the influence of their own deceptive heart and under the influence of a loss of hope or under depression or despair. If you've been depressed, you know what I'm talking about here. If you've suffered under deep seasons of depression, you understand how you can't even lift your eyelids up to to see hope, you know? It's so difficult. And guess what? You're not alone. There are many people in the Bible who suffered through intense seasons of despair and even depression. Even Some of them even, even wanted to die. Did you know that? How about Elijah? After he had this huge victory on Mount Carmel, I think it's 1 Kings 18, 1 Kings 18. After that? He's outrunning Jeze- wicked Jezebel, and she's seeking to, to kill him. And, and he just sits down and just goes, God, just, just kill me. Just kill me. I want to die right now. How about Job? Under his physical pain and emotional suffering from losing his entire family and everything that he owned. And on top of that, he's covered in this boil disease. He's suffering. You don't think he wanted to die? Yeah, he wanted to die. How about David? One of the most honest people in, in all of Scripture, David said, hey, there were moments when he just said, you know, I have no hope. I can't even hope in myself. I can't, I don't even know how to hope in God. Yeah, David went through intense times of despair. And I think about Paul. Even Paul, who, who was in ministry, Gosh, I wish we had time to develop this passage, but look what he says here. He says, I'm afflicted in every way. I'm crushed. I am perplexed. That word afflicted means to be like under vice grip pressure, like pressure from every side, stress, pressure. The word perplexed means feeling like there's no way out being confused or disoriented. This is second Corinthians 4 chapter uh, chapter 4 verse 8. There's no way out. He goes on to say he says I'm persecuted. There's a word which was used for an animal being hunted down. He says I'm struck down, he says. It's like being being wounded. And Paul knew what that was like. He was he was stoned with rocks by people. He was beaten At times, he was drugged through the streets and left for dead. But in every one of those instances, he goes, I'm afflicted, but I'm not crushed. I'm perplexed, but I'm not despairing. I'm persecuted, but I'm not forsaken. I'm struck down, but I'm not destroyed. You know why? Because Paul knew something about his life that his own heart was unable to tell him. He knew the truth of God. And yet, that despair hits even Christians. Some of the greatest preachers, the greatest Christians and Christian leaders throughout history have been people who have suffered under great seasons of darkness. Some of those were satanically motivated. But you look back on people like Martin Luther. You look at great preachers like Charles Spurgeon. I mean, if you look at Jesus himself in the Garden of Gethsemane, feeling the weight of the world, knowing he is about to suffer damnation, separation from his Father. He says, my soul despairs unto death. Christ understands what it's like to feel that way. So if Satan could do anything, if he would do anything to you or to me, he'd do anything, he'd want you to kill yourself. That would be his greatest desire, his greatest desire. You know why? Because it robs you of all chances of experiencing what God has for you in this life. That's why. Now you say, okay, Jeff, so what's the deal? So person commits suicide, where do they go, heaven or hell? Give it to me straight. Well, there's some churches who believe that you just go to hell. I don't care who, you just go to hell. If you commit suicide, that's it. All bets are off. You go straight to hell. Do not pass go, do not collect $200. You just go to hell. And that, I think, for many years, maybe it still is in the Catholic Church, a threat. But here's the bottom line, okay, of the bottom line. Because I've known Christians to take their lives, okay? The bottom line is this. If you're a Christian and you fall into this dark season and you do not choose to reach for God to help you out of it, to walk out of it, to crawl out of it, and you choose in a moment to believe your heart and not to believe God in that moment, and you take your life. If you're a Christian, you're going to go to heaven. Okay? Why? Because God doesn't take back his offer of salvation. And when Jesus died for your sins and you accepted that payment, he forgave all of your sins, past, present, and future. Guess what? Suicide is a sin. It's murder. It's self-murder. And yet Jesus died for that sin. It's okay, they go to heaven, but guess what? They miss out on what they could have experienced. They could have experienced the glory of God in their life here and now and been a radiant testimony to what he could do to help someone overcome that depression. I just listened to an amazing testimony from a Filipino sister who talked about how God brought her out of that. I I think I posted it on my Facebook page. But you go to heaven, but you lose what you could have had here, and you also lose certain rewards that you would have been able to earn here as well. So yes, you go to heaven. Someone without Christ, they commit suicide, they go to hell. They are separated from God for eternity. So if you're without Christ, it doesn't matter if you die in a car wreck, if you die at age 99 or 19 from suicide, you don't go to heaven. That's the issue. Suicide doesn't Determine where you go in eternity. Your relationship with Jesus Christ does. Unfortunately, some Christians do fall into that trap. And you see, that's the deception. And in fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, in that same passage we were looking at just a second ago, listen to this. You say, Well, how does that work? You know, how would someone make that decision? Look what it says. It says, even if our gospel, gospel means good news, if our gospel is veiled. Or hidden, It is hidden to those who are perishing. In whose case, the God of this world, that's Satan, has blinded the eyes, excuse me, blinded the minds of the unbelieving that they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So, Satan blinds people to the truth and to the hope that the gospel of Jesus Christ gives them Preventing them from being able to reach out to God. You say, well, someone is going through such hell here on earth. Isn't it just better just to die? Not their Christian. No. Because nothing in this life, I don't care how bad this life is, nothing in this life compares to actual hell, being separated from God for eternity. And no matter how bad the suffering for the believer Suicide is not worth missing out on what God could do in your life, on experiencing the miracle that God could perform in your life. There is no depression so dark that God cannot deliver you out of. Corey ten Boom said this. She said, there is no pit so deep that God is not deeper still. I actually think that was her sister that said that to her while they were in a concentration camp from Nazi Germany. There is no pit so deep that God is not deeper still. You say, Jeff, this whole suicide thing that's going on right now, is it going to continue? Could it it get worse? Well, yes and yes. Unfortunately, as our culture grows darker, those without Christ will continue to despair because they will continue to spiral that root system of thinking the way that they do the emptiness that the hollowness of the human heart will lead to more despair and more depression and that will cause people to medicate self-medicate that'll cause people to seek out uh, pleasure to try to fill their life with that and it'll cause many of them to take their own lives so I I think it's gonna get worse Uh, unfortunately I hate to tell you that but I think it's gonna get worse and in fact during the tribulation period, during the seven-year period of time where God is unleashing His wrath on planet Earth. By the way, I believe that the church, the true believers, I believe that will be gone. I believe we'll be raptured before that time. But Revelation tells us this. It says that in chapter 6, verse 16 and 17, Revelation says, And they said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of Him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? When God starts pouring out his wrath, you know what people are going to do? They're going to run. They're going to try to escape, and they're going to try to avoid the the punishment that God is giving on a rebellious planet. And it says in in chapter 9, verse 20, it says, "Even, even in the midst of everything that was happening, it says they will they will not repent of the works of their hands, so as to so as to not worship demons, and the idols of gold and silver. They did not repent of their murders, or of their sorceries, or of their immorality, or of their thefts. So during the tribulation, sin's going to go up, sin of all all kinds. And it says in that same chapter, watch this. This is the end times. What's so going to happen to suicide in the end times? It says in chapter nine and verse six. It says in those days. What days? Well, the days when God unleashes his wrath. And specifically there, it's talking about demonic locusts coming out of the ground and tormenting people with the stinging of their tails for five months. Talk about bizarre stuff. But it says in those days, when it says men will seek death and will not find it, and they will long to die, and death flees from them. That's Revelation 9, 6. So he said there's going to be attempted suicide. For some reason, they're not going to be able to kill themselves, but they'll do everything they can to make that happen. Say, so, wow, that's intense. Yeah, it's pretty intense stuff right there. So people are going to want to die more than they're wanting to die now. Right now, God's not unleashing the kind of wrath he's going to unleash. He's unleashing his abandonment wrath right now. But in that day, you know what's going to happen? He's going to unleash his full righteous wrath. And people are gonna to long to commit suicide. Hey, so what do we do? Is is there any hope in this situation? Of course there is, of course there is. You see, the cure, the ultimate cure for the things that lead someone to suicide is to, is to be renewed in, in your heart through Jesus Christ. Is to come to Christ, come to salvation in Christ, and begin to bathe and marinate your mind and your spirit and the things that God says are actually true about you, not the things that you think are true. You know, becoming a Christian is not going to make you giddy and happy all of a sudden. It's not going to just change your circumstances. You're not going to you know, have an influx of money in your bank account or you know that disease magically go away or your spouse or your family or your education or your career, your job, your boss. All those things will just change all of a sudden. No, no. The change is you. God changes you from the inside. And when you become a Christian and you begin to seek God, that becomes your key to mental and emotional health, okay? No matter what's happening in your world, your situation, your family, your body, you can begin to change your thoughts and your emotions, eventually your emotions, but first your thoughts through the truth that God gives. In fact, 2 Corinthians, excuse me, Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, To not be conformed to the world or the ways of the world, because the world are the ones that are trying to make you think this way about yourself. The world is full of despair. Don't think about what the world says you should do. It says be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove or demonstrate what the will of God is for your life. That which is, well, what's it like? Paul says, well, it's good. It's acceptable and it's perfect. (laughs) You can't beat that. But it begins by transforming your mind. Let me give you one other verse here. Just good news for people who suffer from these kinds of thoughts. Listen to what Second Corinthians um, chapter 10 says. It's beginning in verse, uh, verse 3. It says, uh, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. They're not fleshly. They're not, you know, tangible things. But they're divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. What fortresses? It says, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God and we are taking every thought in our head captive to the obedience of Christ. What does that mean? Well, it means any, any false thinking, any untruth, any lies that the Satan of the world or yourself would perpetrate in your mind, God's word comes in and drives those thoughts out. And it says in, in Philippians 4, 6 and 7, and then the peace of Christ, the peace of God begins to rule in our hearts and guard our hearts against those things. You see, that's why the gospel is good news for everyone and we all face hard times we all face times of despair but listen suicide is a lie from self and from Satan and even from society sometimes the answer is the good news that's found in Jesus Christ is that an uphill climb is that a rocky road you bet it is is there room for recovery is it hard to get there sure but guess what you can do it through the power of Jesus Christ That's the good news, my friend. And that's the answer to the suicide epidemic we're experiencing in our world today. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Please subscribe and share with a friend. For more about Jeff's ministry, go to jeffkinley.com.